You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. Boys and girls, ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Stadium and Gale. It's your favorite Uncle Silk. And, and Delatory. Same corner, same time, fresh new week. Football season officially over. Super Bowl is over. Man, what'd you guys think? Great game. Yeah. Well, probably one of the better Super Bowl games I've ever watched. I'm not going to yeah, say yeah. it's the best because I don't know, but I'm pretty sure it's definitely top three. You don't always get a good Super Bowl, but it, it, it was a good one. Um, after those first two drives, I thought, all right, well, maybe we'll shoot def- defense is optional. Um, it was just a Super Bowl winning hold uh, by former Gator uh, captain and now Super Bowl champion Tommy Townsend. Uh, so congrats to the Townsend family. Uh, and, right. I mean, some other Gators too, but mainly uh, Tommy. Nick, and I was just – Unbelievable drip walking into the stadium. And I mean, the, the drip was nuts. He makes the right call on the coin flip. I mean, choosing choose the punter to make the coin toss is is definitely some elite, you know, big punch. a lot energy. about him. Andy <laughs> Reid, Andy Reid, Hall of Fame coach. That's a Hall of Fame coaching decision. That's my favorite coach all the time is Andy Reid. That's yeah. my guy. I think Blame he's uh, – was that? Yeah, he's just been ahead of the game uh, for a long time. I think Philly – uh, even though how Philly successfully ran organization, so they they've been uh, still somewhat successful, um, but there's there got to be some some kind of regrets with letting uh, Andy Reid go. Yeah, you know, I think it's one of those times. You know, a, a change in scenery from him, obviously getting you know probably may go down as one of the best quarterbacks in NFL history. And Patrick Mahomes, when it's all said and done, certainly helps. And, you know, they've built that roster strong. They've got some great players and they've been able to, you know, they, they dealt with some turnover, right? That's going to happen when you, when you draft well and you develop well, these guys start wanting money and, you know, they, they made some changes. They, they trade for Kadarius Tony in the middle of the year. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of us expected big things out of him uh, when he got drafted. Um, you know, obviously didn't have, you know, too great of a start with the Giants, but then comes in and, you know, is an actual absolutely electrifying uh, punt return uh, there in the was at the third or the beginning of the fourth. And then, uh, you know, the touchdown. Uh, so shout out to to Kadarius Tony. Uh, Carlos Dunlap, he finally gets a, a Super Bowl uh, after a very long, uh, successful career in the NFL. Uh, Tommy Townsend gets his Super Bowl ring number two for him, right, oh, Nick? Nice. Is this the first one? Yeah, he um, – Oh, he just missed they, it. I, they, uh, they lost to Tampa, I think, the one Super Bowl he was in previously. Yep. And then LaMichael P. Ryan is on the practice squad. So congratulations to those four. Uh, Shout out to my guy, LP. Just got signed like like uh, a month ago. That's the way to do it. And was on the Eagles practice squad at some point this year too. Uh, but they the, the Super Bowl ring is the same. Pat Mahomes and, and LP Deuce Deuce get the same Super Bowl ring. Absolutely. Nice. Um, I think Mahomes is going to juicy us up a little bit. It's just, just my opinion. <laughs> uh, he was so close to being uh, Kadarius Tony. He was so close to being MVP, man. If he got that yep. punt return into the end zone, he's probably uh, MVP of, yeah. of the game. But uh, just go, just go to show you what um, being drafted or being at the right organization just does wonders. Uh, they, some people are talking about him possibly being a bust. 
even though it was super early in New York. But that there was whispers of that. And then he gets to Kansas City and they speak glowingly of him out there. And, and his future just looked completely different than what it was in New York. So just wait, who drafts you just determines so much about your NFL status. Absolutely. He was, I think he was staying with Tommy um, when he first got out there. But just the like the touchdown play, like just that mm-hmm. little motion cut back. I mean, he's he's just high stepping into the end zone from five yeah. yards out. Um, just that creativity. And I think you, you watched it happen at Florida. Like you have to figure out a way to, to use Kadarius Tony. It's not like a cookie cutter type player that you mm-hmm. just, you know, run normal stuff with. Like you have to design some stuff for him, but if you are creative and, and figure that out, unlock that, like he can be a special player. Absolutely. No, and I think that he uh, he had a great game. Obviously, on the, the Eagles side of the ball, they lose. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson had a had a monstrous hit um, in, in, uh, in that game. Uh, Brian Johnson called a, uh, a good game. Uh, you know, just it did, didn't work out. I think a lot of people were, were wondering what would happen to Mahomes with his, uh, obviously, high ankle sprain. Looked pretty good. Obviously, Winston Payne, I don't know how many cortisone shots he got uh, in his leg. Uh, but uh, you know, super excited for uh, for uh, the rest of those guys to make it, and I, I think that Brian Johnson has an incredible career ahead of him, calling plays in the NFL. Uh, you know, I know his stock is going through the roof. So, uh, boys, any final Super Bowl thoughts before we get on to the show or weekend? No, what are you talking about? Uh, Stapleton did his thing in the, in the, uh, mm. in, in the beginning. What you guys thought about the halftime show with, with Riri and also Stapleton? I thought she, um, I thought Riri had already had her baby. And then she comes out and I'm like, oh, she's not dancing much. And then they get closer. I'm like, oh, she's like seven months pregnant. Oh, no, this is a new baby. This is number two. This is is number two. two. This is baby number two. Right. Yeah. yeah, First baby was back in May. I thought she'd already had baby number two. Uh, And I don't know. I didn't know she was pregnant with baby number two. I don't keep up with celebrity world like that, but I didn't know she was pregnant. What do you tell your OBGYN? They're like, hey, you're going to need you to stay off your feet a little bit. They're like, yeah, cool. I'll do that. But I'm going to be 70 feet up in the air um, on a apparatus that's going to be going up and down while I perform in front of millions of people for the Super Bowl. So like after that, I'll definitely stay off my feet. No, I thought she, she killed it. Um, you know, we were having a, a Beyonce versus Rihanna conversation. That might be something that we hold towards the end of the show. Um, but you just kind of forget how many bangers Rihanna put out in such a limited amount of time. She's kind of like a, a female Bruno, Bruno Mars, in my opinion. Uh, just her success rate and hit rate was just out of this world. Uh, you, We were trying to we, – we had a little bet inside the house of – what song she would do first. I think there was eight, seven of us. We all picked seven different songs and none of them were the ones that she started with. Um, it just goes to show how many songs she has, but uh, I'm willing to put this out there. This might be a hot take, might get crucified on the internet, uh, but Chris Stapleton, second best national anthem in Super Bowl history. You can debate right your mom. You can debate your ears, but behind Whitney Houston, um, Chris Stapleton, incredible performance. No doubt, no doubt. Probably the best Super Bowl I've ever seen. First Super Bowl with two black quarterbacks. Uh, just uh, seeing Jalen Hurts get out in open field, doing some of the things he's mm. doing. It's just the future of the of the game. Um, from that standpoint, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, man. It's just two young, bright superstars at the quarterback position, and it, and it was uh, the whole scene was was predicated around them. The whole storyline, everything was around the, um, the quarterback. So. I enjoyed this one. I'm just not 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 an NFL guy. I enjoy college football mm-hmm. more, but 
it's been a good playoffs and a good Super Bowl. Yeah, absolutely. All right, boys. Well, let's get on to the show. We have from Haas Law joining us to talk a little bit about the NIL repeal uh, in Florida that it looks to be on the horizon any moment now. Uh, but as always, let's give a shout out to our friend Alan Horn with State Farm Insurance. He is located in Georgia. Uh, he can serve you in Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, and Alabama if you are looking for auto home renters, life, business insurance, and retirement planning, give him a call at 706-692-2888 or visit him at Alan Horn. That's A-L-A-N Horn, H-O-R-N-E, insurance.com or follow him on social media at SF Agent Alan H or on Facebook, Alan Horn hyphen State Farm Agent. Uh, we thank Alan for his continued support of this program. Uh, gentlemen, it is unfortunate news on two, or on Thursday evening, pardon me, it, it came out uh, that former Florida Gator uh, walk-on um, Caleb Boateng uh, had committed suicide. Um, it came out uh, on Thursday, uh, but at the age of 21, he was found by his father um, at uh, 5.49 p.m. on Thursday uh, and uh, he uh, unfortunately committed suicide in an apartment just a few blocks uh, west of campus. Uh, Boateng uh, had originally played at Clemson, uh, transferred to Florida, um, but um, obviously an incredibly sad story uh, and something that you certainly don't uh, want to hear. And, and certainly we give our, our thoughts, prayers, and, and all of our emotions to, uh, to the Boateng family and the Florida Gators family that have been affected by that. Yeah, it's sad, sad, super sad story. Um, just mental health is just super important, I mean, especially amongst like I know it's a stigma and and and, and not something uh, easy to talk about, especially in our culture. My culture, we don't really uh, speak about suicide. Um, but I put out a tweet um, maybe mm -hmm. like two weeks ago saying that we're at the highest risk. We're leading the lead uh, in, in suicide, especially between the ages of like sixteen to twenty-five, uh, which is a a, a, a a wild uh, age demographic, you know, and it, and it should raise some red red flags, man. But uh, got to talk about it, you know. If you're going through things, man, just got to find somebody to speak to. Just seek help, you know. Yeah, you never know what a uh, I'm thinking about you. What a phone call uh, could mean. Um, there is a uh, a song called uh, by Matt Kinnon from from years ago uh, called "The Call," and it's it's very much about a a situation uh, just like this. Somebody dealing with uh, with with mental issues and dealing with with sadness and depression and thinking about it and how you know people reaching out at at a, a particular time or a certain time you know really made an impact. So. Um, Nick, any any thoughts from from your end? Yeah, I think um, this next generation is definitely more in tune with you know feelings and talking. Um, but you know, for us, like uh, young boys, like you, you don't cry, you don't show emotion, you don't talk about it, you just you know bury that stuff. Um, but just I, I, my friend group, we always tell each other we love each other, um, mm -hmm. and, and I think just normalize that. Tell. Tell your guy friends, hey, man, I love you. I'm here for you. Um, and, and just know that you're not alone. Even even if you may feel like you are, there's always somebody that that is there to talk to you and, uh, and somebody who's been in that situation um, that maybe you didn't know. And just opening up about what you're going through can 
can, can lead to some great conversations and, and some healing. Absolutely. So again, our thoughts and prayers uh, go to the Boateng family. Um, and, and certainly um, I appreciate you all's words uh, on the matter as well. Uh, not to change the subject too quickly, uh, but the Gators uh, did have nine former players invited to the NFL Combine. I think 330 uh, total were invited. Um, <clears throat> as you can imagine, uh, Anthony Richardson and Osiris Torrance were invited. Justin Shorter, Richard Garage, Gervon Dexter, Brenton Cox, Ventrell Miller, Trey Dean, and Rashad Torrance. Um, obviously a group of nine. I think the expectation is for most, if not all of them, to likely get drafted. Um, but, uh, but gentlemen, who do you think is going to really show out and, and really uh, make an impact at the, uh, at the combine? I think everybody got Anthony Richardson uh, at the top of that list. He's gonna, he's gonna go crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, Trey Dean is is a workout warrior. He, mm -hmm. He's a guy that you want getting off the bus first, uh, appearance wise. So I think he's gonna work out well. Mm -hmm. He had a good senior bowl. I expect him to have, like test well, uh, forty yard dash, lifting, all that type of stuff. Um, interested interested to see how Torrance works out. Like, I think mm -hmm. his film is phenomenal. I don't know what he's like in the weight room. Uh, really how strong or how explosive he is in that area. So I'm interested to see how he, he works out. Uh, anybody else that I think is going to shine? Uh, a little, I don't know if we have anybody. Brent Cox is going to shine. Yeah. Yeah, that's another guy. I know he has uh, probably some off-the-field issues and things with with Georgia. Uh, he had a little rep there and the way he exited uh, at UL. Uh, but workout-wise, he can make himself a lot of money. And he's one of those guys that should be able to, to run a fast 40 lift a lot, you know, uh, and also just jump through the roof when it's time, when it's time to do a uh, vertical leap. So mm -hmm. that's what I got. Rest of those guys, rest of everybody else, I'm just kind of on, on wait and see. Yeah, I'm curious to see uh, Gervon Dexter. Obviously, I think some people expected uh, maybe – I don't want to say an impact, but maybe some more stats. And I know he's a defensive tackle, and so it's a little bit different. But, uh, yeah, I think he's going to work out uh, really right. well. I'm curious to see what what he's uh, able to do in the NFL. Um, but, uh, no, I, I think that Trey Dean's going to test really well. I think that his stock's going to go up uh, with his uh, performance in, in his senior bowl game. Uh, or senior – was it the, the senior bowl that he was at, Nick? Um East West Shrine Bowl obviously was the defensive MVP there. Uh, I'm curious to see Richard Garage, right? You know, five years at UF, uh, you know, starter for I think four of those years, a uh, lot of reps under his belt. Uh, you'll see what he's able to do. Um, and then Rashad Torrance, I'm seeing him in the somewhere between the fourth and the sixth round in some of the mock drafts that I see. Um, you know, and then Justin Shorter, obviously a guy that was a five star to high school, uh, goes to Penn State, comes to Florida, performs. Well, um, you know, has a has a big year for for Florida this year um, for all intents and purposes. So curious to see from a, an athletic specimen perspective where he kind of ranks with the rest of uh, the uh, the wide receivers that are uh, at the combine. But you know, I think that he has a chance to you know to maybe make a maybe move some heads. Here's here's a warning for Gator fans: mm -hmm. Do not allow yourself to be trolled. Um, Osiris Torrance, very strong human. Uh, Gervon Dexter, very strong human. Um, they're not, I don't think they're going to have great bench press numbers. Um, oh, arms, just man. they have really long arms. Like the, right. the, the bench press is not made for uh, Osiris Torrance. Um, when he measured in at the senior bowl, had the longest wingspan of any offensive guard that's ever been measured at the, at the senior bowl. Holy cow. Um, 
that does not that's not conducive to throw up 30 reps on the bench press yeah you're moving that a very long ways um uh, i don't know like what like i, I think osiris osiris is the og one like i think he's the mm-hmm. best offensive guard in the draft i don't know what he does or what he shows you you know at the underwear olympics in, in indianapolis that make you that make you that like he's not going to have like an anthony richardson type of day um Zach, Zach posted up on, on our website, Anthony Richardson. We all, I thought, and I think we all thought that he would lose some weight, you know, show up at the combine at like 225 to run faster. Um, Anthony's up to 250, and mm. they had him uh, at a 4 4 uh, up in Jacksonville at six points. Very nice. Thompson. So that's uh, 250. Jeez. That's uh, an alien. Speaking of all the aliens that were flying around uh, Sunday night, checking out the Super Bowl, I think alien, <laughs> alien Richardson might be one of them. 250 running a 4 4 is, is otherworldly. Um, I think Justin Short is one, though, Dan, that I think mm-hmm. um, based on where he is and, and Rashad Torrance, like the, mm-hmm. the lower you are projected to be drafted, the more you need to do. Like Anthony Richardson is mm-hmm. not going to throw. Uh, Osiris Torrance might say, Hey, you know what? That, that lateral, that three cone drill, I'm good. <laughs> I'm all right. Um, but if you're a fourth, fifth round guy, you need to do as much as you can. I think Justin Shorter is a guy that, uh, has a real opportunity. Rashad Torrance, mm-hmm. I think is a guy that, uh, kind of like trading workout warrior. I think those two, um, you know, will maybe even push each other being there and that's in that same safety group. Um, so it, it'll be interesting. Definitely a lot of Gators, uh, there a lot of Gators to watch uh, on NFL Network as that you know they they kind of show everything. So you think yeah. uh, Anthony Richardson uh, works or, or or throws? No, no doesn't he, doesn't throw at the combine. Do you think he throws at pro day? I yes, mean, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's gonna. I mean, he's gonna jump out of that stadium. Um, he's gonna run. I, I always say he's gonna run a four four. He's not gonna throw. Um, you're gonna throw in the indoor practice facility to four or five receivers who you're comfortable throwing with mm-hmm. on a very, very choreographed script where you've already gone through this song and dance of a throwing practice, throwing program five, six times before with these exact receivers. Um, it's if you're, if you're ant and you're looking at, okay, am I the second quarterback taking fourth quarterback taking, you're trying to control the controllables. Hey, I can control how fast I run on turf. Easy. Mm-hmm. I don't need to be throwing to a bunch of receivers who I don't know who they are. We have no timing together, no chemistry. I'm just going to go ahead and throw uh, on pro day with guys that I know. And, and you're going to look phenomenal there. He's going to look great in Indy doing mm-hmm. all the measurable testing, running things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's going to throw on pro day and he's going to look way better throwing on pro day to his guys than he would have to random receivers that you, you met two days before. Yeah, I think uh, his his long ball is going to be beautiful. I think uh, what everybody's want to see more the, the the short routes, the checkdowns, the, the out routes, and how he uh, performs those throws. But I expect to see a lot of beautiful deep balls. Him flicking that at the flick of the wrist, that ball flies a far ways. And I think it's just people going to be more wild when he does throw the ball. So I was saying all to say this: he's not going to throw at the combine, but when he does throw the ball. I don't expect a lot of errant throws or anything like mm-hmm. that. I expect, like you said, scripted, beautiful ball on deep stuff. But I'm interested to see if he gets a little jitterish on maybe the short balls and the swing passes and outs and some of the stuff we didn't see a lot of this fall. But And, and when we did see it, he struggled with it. Yeah, no, I'm curious to see how he does. Obviously, I think that from a uh, – um 
numbers perspective, it'll be incredible. Um, from an interview perspective, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of questions on on what would you do uh, in this situation. Uh, you know, I think Anthony Richardson is going to get drafted very high. I did see a mock draft with him going to the Bucks at 19, uh, reuniting with Kyle Trask maybe. Um, you know, I don't know if that's a, a terrible place for him to go either. Uh, you know, the expectations will be pretty low. Uh, in Tampa Bay probably next year. Um, but, uh, you know, most of the mock drafts I've seen him have him in the top 10. I know Carolina at number nine seems like a likely spot for him. So I do think that he's going to show uh, out. Oh, boy, them, them cam lies. Carolina fans going to get our, our old cam lies and run with it now. That's uh, I think uh, I, I don't know. If he goes love... to Carolina, that, would be, that comparison would definitely spring like out of out of out of every media oh, person's yeah. uh mouth um the camp like him to being the next cam newton in the comparisons of their physical stature and, and abilities yeah i i think for his sake uh you know and i said on the show before you thought it was wild that i said detroit um no 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 don't say my guy to that detroit detroit <laughs> but detroit's in like a win now mode so or, or or minnesota somewhere that has a guy like kirk cousins has three more years on his deal Jared Goff has two more on his. Mm-hmm. I don't know that Sam Darnold is stopping Anthony Richardson from starting day one, and I think he needs a year to just develop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, obviously a, a lot to see. I, I don't think Anthony is going to hurt his stock at all. Um, I think that there's really only one way for him to go up from here. Obviously, you know, a lot of coaches you know, think that they're saviors in the NFL uh, and can come in and, and really save anybody. And you have the measurables, uh, you know, obviously the NFL quarterback position has very much moved to being a lot more mobile, the ability to, to move and, and make things happen outside of the pocket. So Anthony Richardson obviously did a lot of that. So we'll absolutely be interesting to see uh, what happens over the course of the next uh, few weeks with the, uh, the underwear Olympics as Nick calls them. Uh, but I, I, I don't see Anthony Richardson dropping all the way down to 19, but if not, might not be the worst place to be. So, um, all right, gentlemen, we are waiting on our guest. He should be here any minute. Uh, but, um, right now, um, we found out on Thursday as well that Texas and Oklahoma, uh, have been able to leave their contract with Fox. They will be leaving, uh, the big 12 at the end of the 2023 season, uh, and joining the sec starting 2024. We still don't have all the answers. Uh, I know a lot of people are uh, promulgating that it could be a, a three permanent, uh, team, um, schedule. And then, you know, five to six, depending on if they have eight or nine sec games, rotating schedule this was a uh, a conversation that happened on the timeline it also happened on uh the message board for on three so who would you guys want to be your three uh permanent well, hold on Re- before we yeah. do that there's there's only two models that they're going to choose from they uh they announced that last year at the sec spring meetings in destin there's two models an eight game model which allows for four non-conference games which is what you have now um, that would be one permanent opponent, and then you rotate seven others. Give me Vanderbilt. That <laughs> ah, the story rivalry, <laughs> which is now becoming. Yeah. Um, I don't think that happens. Um, there's too many. Like Auburn has to play Alabama, and Auburn mm-hmm. has to play Georgia. Those like Auburn Those fans will riot. Those are the rules. Them's the breaks. Them's the rules. So there is a nine game, which would mean adding an SEC game to the schedule. Nine games, three permanent opponents, and then the six rotation. I don't see a way 
that the eight game model can protect all of these traditional rivalries um, and and without heads rolling and, and fan bases, you know, lighting uh, lighting Birmingham on fire, uh, you know, the SEC offices. So I think you're going to go to that nine game, which would then would be the three permanent opponents. Um, how do you like you're going to piss off Texas A&M, but I think Texas and Texas A&M need to be three permanent opponents. You need to bring that game back every year. Yeah. Well, let's let's pause this conversation. Let's pick it up. We do have David Haas waiting for us from Haas Law. We're going to talk a little bit about NIL. I like where that conversation's going, Nick. Uh, but before we do that, let's give a shout out to our friends over at Home Field Apparel. Visit homefieldapparel.com. Use promo code Stadium and Gale. You'll get 15% off of your order. Uh, you they just released the FSU Circus t-shirt. So your nice. favorite beautiful. FSU. Beautiful. Your favorite FSU honors graduate, uh, feel free to buy them the Circus College shirt. Uh, it's out there. You can use the same promo code across the site. Uh, 75, 80 different schools now. So, again. We got some, uh, we got some clowns on our fan base decommitting. They should probably flip over and grab that shirt. <laughs> I buy a Circus College uh, shirt for uh, all the Gator fans that are decommitting as well. So, again, homefieldapparel.com. Use promo code Stadium and Gale. And with that – we welcome David Haas from Haas Law to talk a little bit about the changes in Florida's NIL law. So, David, joining us from Arizona, how are you, my friend? I uh, It's been a long night, but uh, I made it through <laughs> the Super Bowl, and uh, if I sound a little bit tired and groggy, I, I apologize for my first appearance on your show. It's an <laughs> honor to be here. I was at the Chiefs celebration until... Well, mm. Let's just say a couple hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> it might have been better than mine, man, for sure, man. <laughs> it was, yeah. uh, it was awesome. Yeah, no worries. Um, I, I've, uh, I, I, I've podcasted from uh, the airport in Las Vegas after a bachelor party, um, mm. and 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 Dan has uh, become uh, quite the bender man himself, and and has come back from many a weekend with. Uh, a less than clear voice so you're fine david i have had celebrations that rival yours for no reason in the world uh, just a, <laughs> just no a random a random no, tuesday that's know. just a tuesday baby it's just a tuesday the nice thing uh, i know about you guys is I, I feel amongst friends when i can say that out loud and i know that there's no strangers to that is you know uh event by by, by any stretch so I, appreciate I you it. having me on guys well david uh we're excited to get your thoughts i, I do want to set the uh, the groundwork here uh, last week, uh, the Florida uh, Senate uh, voted unanimously 34 uh, to nothing uh, on the Senate floor to pass HB7B, uh, which would repeal the current NIL law in the state of Florida. Uh, it would allow a lot of changes, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about those. But that also has passed the House, uh, and it is on Ron DeSantis's desk to sign, uh, which the expectation is that that will happen uh, soon. And then the second that that pen stroke is finished, the old NIL law is done, and we are into what we are going to now talk to David about. David, what does this mean for NIL in the state of Florida? And I guess well, first, what was the yeah, what was the old law? Like what was the, the, the original mm. law and the operating, how, how Florida and, and Florida schools were allowed to operate before uh, this will be repealed and changed? So, I mean, and you guys know, and, and I even went back through some of the old podcasts and listened as you guys have followed along, but just to sort of refresh everybody, I mean, Florida sort of set the, the bar at the development and in, in, in creation of NIL for, for young athletes and for, um, for college players. Right. And so Florida was one of the first, if not the first, I guess, state to go forward on NIL. Mm -hmm. 
it's been a long, what, two years, year and a half since then. And now the playing field is very different. Um, a lot of things in a lot of states uh, where there's states that have still not passed NIL laws. And then there are states that have much more aggressive or, or open NIL laws where, you know, even guys can go sign high school athletes to, to NIL deals to make money. What the Florida repeal does is um, it sort of allows the main thing is going to do is allow the universities to get involved with the NIL. Um, I, I don't know what you call it because there's sort of two NILs too, but there's the brand building your name, those types of things versus what has become sort of the bastardized version of NIL, which is mm -hmm. pay for play. And so, you know, this doesn't really address the pay for play. That's still going to have issues, um, but it allows the coaching staffs for the most part to get more involved, which was one of the things that the original bill didn't do. Uh, and so it, it sort of kept the universities at arm's reach. Now, what that is going to be interesting. Play legislation, which is going to say, well, you know, can't do pay for play. Boosters can't do NIL. And if it is, it's you're basically presumed guilty if any of these things happen. So, um, you know, that's that's it in a nutshell. It says it really levels the playing field, but we're still it's still not an even playing field. You know, Florida's trying to stay at the forefront of this. You see it with the development of fast, which is coming up strong, um, mm -hmm. which is sort of, you know, a different iteration of it's not quite the collective, but it's going to be a different thing for the athletes at UF specifically. You still got the collective, which I think is, you know, going through some necessary changes, trying to, you know, sort of re-envision its things. And so you're still, you know, going to have schools, uh, agencies, NFL agents, they can contact kids in high school and, and bring them along in other states. I don't think Florida is going to be at that, but this law is certainly going to impact um, sort of the ability to level the playing field some without really addressing the main issues that are still the problems with NIL. Do you think any of those issues, and we can talk a little bit more about them, but do you think any of those issues will ever get addressed? I mean, do you see ever a push by athletic directors or, you know, certainly probably not by the NCAA themselves, but do you ever see actual, maybe, maybe this comes from the federal level of really trying to uh, clear up some of that gray area that I know a lot of schools really try to, to, to be in, but I mean, it's so broad and it's so gray um, that there's so many different versions. There's 50 shades of the color gray, right? So uh, what do you see needing to happen to legislate true effective, you know, groundwork and, and parameters here? So, I mean, you know, 50 states uh, with 50 different types of, you know, rules is not a level playing field. It's the wild west right now. I mean, you've got flat out schools, you know, collectives, individual boosters, so to speak, uh, is probably more accurate, that are literally just offering money to come, you know, come play at the school. And I won't mention those schools' names, but we all know who they are. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and so I, I think those are still going to be the problems. The pendulum's going to swing pretty far, right? When there's no rules and everybody's creating the rules, nobody can identify the issues. 
do I think that pendulum is going to swim back and you will see some more federal legislation? I think it has to because, you know, college football right now is, is sort of without, you know, if we go to the Power Five conferences, the NCAA is becoming weaker and weaker with regards to the governance of, of institutions. And so you're going to see at some point some commissioner, right? Uh, or you're going to see some federal legislation is where I think it's eventually going to head. And the main power five conferences are going to say, well, you know, uh, SEC, we've got schools in Alabama, Georgia, and Florida, and they're all playing by different rules. And so somebody's going to have to come in and level that, whether it, but it, it, it's going to take some time. I mean, you know, we're still figuring out the problems with, you know, pay for play and those types of things, but we're getting there. Um, and, and in the meantime, everybody's sort of scrambling to keep their head afloat and trying not to break rules that change every day in every state. Mm -hmm. And if, you know, Florida's recruiting some kid from Ohio and Ohio's rules are different, who, who's in charge. Right. Um, so it, it's, it's a challenging time. I certainly feel bad for the coaches. I know that, you know, they're trying to do things the right way. At least I'm a Gator and at, at the university of Florida, but it, it, it is, it is certainly challenging when the coaches don't have a say in who should get paid, right, by these collectives. Mm -hmm. That's going to change now in Florida. So, so you know, the coaching staff is going to have a say, maybe not in amounts. I don't think that's a job that if you ask probably most of the head coaches in Florida that they want. Um, but you've really got, I think Coach Napier said it best, you've got all the, the good things about the NFL with all the bad things that are not being fixed. Who you, know, you haven't? Uncapped free agency market. Who's monitoring and policing like the, the different laws? Like so, it's different uh, statewide how Florida operates, and in, in say Ohio or California, who's monitoring like the actions of the NIL practices in each state? I, I don't even know if you get to each state. I mean, I, I'm, I'm somewhat active in the NIL market, but it's it's a challenge for for a lot of different reasons, but. Each school right now is monitoring it separately. You know, each school has developed their own NIL policies. And so if, if I sign a young man to, to an NIL deal, I have to report the contract to UF in, in so much time. And, you know, the rules are published on each school's website. There's a lot of different schools in Florida, and each school has their own different rules. So right now, so if you ask me who's in charge, and nobody really except the institutions with not a lot of guidance. I mean, you have to follow state law. You've got to, you know, try to figure out what this new NCAA is, if there's even any teeth to the enforcement of it, but there's not, you know, there's not a whole lot of, of a bumper pool without bumpers right now. I mean, what, what led us to this was the NCAA trying to fight, you know, to keep uh, the mythology of amateurism, alive they get all the way to congress and then congress is like hey let's check out your antitrust status and they're like you know what and i all sounds good to us let's get out of here you just keep that antitrust so then they kind of leave it up to to the individual states the individual uh, conferences but you're not going to have a conference the sec isn't going to say hey this is crazy we're going to put in rules because then you have pac 12 big 12 big 10 say hey don't go to the sec Look, they're they're trying to hurt you with NIL. Um, but I think what you did say, David, the Power Five, with them getting autonomy years back, you saw the NCAA have less and less power because basically, the Power Five were like the only thing you're good for 
is running postseason tournaments, and we're going to run our own football tournament with with the college football playoff. Uh, it'll be interesting to see as I think the Big Ten and the SEC start to distance themselves from the other Power Five schools. You're going to have just these two super conferences that have even more power now over the NCAA. So does the NCAA, the way that if things start moving that direction, do they ever have the authority to – to kind of wrap their wrap their arms around this. Well, I, I think where you're going to see some pushback, and I'll put my lawyer hat on here for a second, <laughs> is, and it's not a it's not the prettiest hat. I don't like to tell people I'm a lawyer, but here we'll give it a go. The pushback you're going to see now, especially in Florida, is okay. Head coaches have a say. Well, now if you have a say, now you've got to start getting into workers' rights and are the players employees? Well. Right. With employees comes health insurance, mm-hmm. workers' comp, right? You know, days off. Mm-hmm. Um, PTO. Hey, coach, that that two a day doesn't PTO. sound good. Here's my PTO. <laughs> and, and and look, I'm all for players having power and control over their their name, image, and likeness. It is a bastardized system right now, but I think that's where the pendulum is going to start to to wobble towards a centerpiece of where it's going to be legislated in somehow some way but again if you're looking at the ncaa model versus an nfl model the nfl has you know a a salary structure system a salary cap and you know right now there is not that in the ncaa but the nfl also has you know i'm an agent and so you have you know a collective bargaining agreement you have what Mm -hmm. players are entitled to for 401k plans you know, that's not in the NCAA either. Right now, you've got a bunch of, of young college athletes that may have gotten terrible, I'll use a, a non-curse word, terrible advice. They're getting 1099s in, in the mail, and, you know, they're paying taxes on money that may be gone if they didn't have, you know, somebody solid standing with them or behind them, steering them, saying, hey, man, you, yeah, you, you got a hundred grand. You need to hold on to some of this because when February March rolls around, you, you owe Uncle Sam some. Yeah, like like thirty three percent of it, yeah. <laughs> not not, yeah. not some of it. Hold on to a nice chunk <laughs> of that. I just don't yeah. know. I just don't know. I, and maybe I'm wrong, but I just can't envision getting to that point because that's what you're fighting against. Is you don't want it them to be employees, or at least that's what the NCAA has been fighting against mm-hmm. since probably the inception of the NCAA. Well, um, if the NCAA is fighting right. against it, the schools are fighting against it because they're fighting. The schools on... don't want that. Yes, as right. well. Um, but you can't get a, a CBA unless you've already gotten over that first hurdle, which is, okay, yes, they are employees. Mm-hmm. I you're, think, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I think the real, the real, and, and I know there's a lot to figure out um, new uh, law-wise, and it's going to be a – you know, uh, forever moving process, a process in motion, right? We're going to see things change from year to year and they're going to fine tune things. But I think the real change is, um, or the real money is in, uh, not the schools negotiating them NIL deals or getting involved in NIL, but on the players somehow unionizing and getting those rights you were just talking about. Like, of course there's collective bargaining agreements and all that, but there's also a player's uh, union and that, that fights for those rights and then a lot of different things. How soon do you think there there is some type of player union where these guys start getting into the profits of the TV money and, and all that type of the billions of dollars, the real the real money? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's 
again, another great spot. I mean, if you would have told me two years ago that we'd be, you know, paying college quarterbacks seven figures, I would have said, <laughs> you're absolutely nuts. Could it be a year from now that we're saying, oh, the college players have unionized and they're getting a percentage of, you know, the college football playoff funds? Um, yeah, I mean, it could be, I mean, it's not happening this season. It's not going to happen until there's some sort of national oversight over how these things are going on. Um, because, you know, and, and eventually what, what, what'll, what, what's going to get this thing kicked in, in a, is going to be, you're going to have a, a, a congressman from Alabama that is tired of losing to a congressman's district from Georgia because, right. you know, they, they, and that's where you're going to see this thing start. So you're saying I need to become a politician. I know. I mean, and then college football is relying on politicians to set the rules for, you know, whatever's going to happen and how much of that, I mean, they don't do it with the NFL. And so how much of that could be either legislated or how much is it going to be? I think the more likely scenario is you're going to see some sort of college football commissioner that's going to, you know, sort of lay a sheet over what can be done. And I think we're a ways away from that just because, now you've got the, the television deals for all these, you know, massive <laughs> contracts that go out for another eight years. Mm -hmm. So who's going to win that tug of war right now? And in the meantime, you know, there's going to be a bunch of people making a lot of mistakes and a bunch of people making a lot of money right. in this. David, I know we're prognosticating a lot here, um, and I don't know if you've put any thought. I mean, obviously, we're talking about a college football commissioner. You know, for the most part, when we talk about NIL and we talk about big dollars, we're talking, you know, basketball and we're talking football. And then there's some occasional people that are, you know, able to make money on NIL from, you know, TikTok accounts, Instagram, et cetera. Um, but I'm starting to wonder when we start to talk about these big dollars coming in, how does – Title IX come into play? How do some of these non-revenue sports come into play when it when you consider uh, compensation for for being an athlete at the University of Florida or any school? That that's where you're, I mean, does it come into play? Absolutely. I mean, it has to in some ways, especially you know now that Florida is going to have some say, and when I say Florida universities are going to have some say in how money is allocated. Now you're triggering Title IX just as much as you may be triggering workers' comp. Right. And so it is, you know, lawyers, and again, hey, sorry, um, but it is, it, it's going to be a nightmare for a while. And, you know, look, I, I think the purists, you know, the, I, I love watching the segments of, you know, the new Netflix, or new movie, Air, is coming out, right? Mm -hmm. With ben Affleck. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> To me, and maybe I'm just sort of a purist, I, I'm not a pay-for-play. I don't like it. I think it's terrible for the game. I think it's terrible for smaller schools. It, it doesn't – it's not a level playing field. And, and quite frankly, the, the ROI for a big booster to continue to do it year after year is not sustainable in my mind either because you're not going to have guys drop $2 million for a five-star quarterback and then next thing you know they're gone in – a year, two years. Mm -hmm. The ROI for that is is probably not sustainable. So what I think is more likely is you're going to see sort of a pendulum swing to the, to the purest side of the NIL, which is build your brand. Mm -hmm. You know, Nike offers Michael Jordan, you know, a two million dollars. Jordan, that, that that's a dumb deal for Michael to take. You want your own shoe. You want to build a brand, and now you're a billionaire. But convincing athletes, especially they're you know fresh out of high school in college 
to delay money, to delay some of that so that you can build a brand is a difficult part of, of what is there because everybody wants, you know, a car or, you know, Bose headphones or whatever it is. But if, if you can push off some of that and structure an NIL branding with, you know, and I, and I, I talked to these brands literally probably later today about doing it, that's where you really can change the market. That's where you can change things. And I think that's going to take some time as well to see how, you know, a kicker can can change a brand and create something for, you know, whatever market is going to get behind him. And he puts off a paycheck, but he's got some sort of structure and infrastructure behind him that can make him bigger than a $20,000 paycheck. Hmm. Yeah, it... um. I mean, we've seen, like you said, the bastardization of it. Um, We Mm -hmm. just call it NIL, but it's your name, image, and likeness. And essentially, NIL deals are sponsorships. Um, And this company sees, hey, Livy Dune Dunn, I don't know how to say it, has 8 million followers on TikTok. If we get her, if I'm Nestle, and hey, I want you to do uh, three TikToks with my brand. Like, that's what name, image, and likeness is, not... Hey, you're a five-star quarterback. We would like your name on the back of my favorite team's jersey, um, right. and and I would likeness that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, working I, on that I, one. I like yeah. it. <laughs> that, and, that's and that's kind of like got, what it's become. Yeah, yeah I mean, you, you've got, and when I when I compare it to the NFL, you've got a no salary cap system with the ultimate free agency with the transfer portal, and so the market is, you know. Watching watching the Chiefs last night, you know, Mahomes has a five hundred and three million dollar deal mm. that's structured out over ten years to allow payment for other players. Mm. You know, Jalen Hurts has as a four million dollar deal over four years. You look at those numbers and then you look at what's going on in the NCAA, okay. you know, Mahomes is locked in. You see Derek Carr, he's he had a no trade clause, and so the, the Raiders are on the hook for him. You don't have that in the NCAA. There is literally a wide open, I'm not, you don't even have to trade me. I'm just leaving with the portal. And so, you know, how much of that matures and develops into something unhealthy versus healthier um, is going to, I think, drive the coaches getting more involved with, you know, reaching out and saying this system isn't sustainable. What can we do to set in place? you know, something to, to over give some oversight and, and practicality and really just rational thinking over this system right now. Hmm. Um, David, and this is probably my final question. I know that, you know, Chip Lamarca said that he didn't think that this was like the biggest deal, you know, but he just kind of wanted, in his opinion, to level the playing field. You know, he talked a lot about part of what was in repealing was adding an entrepreneurship and, and adding some more branding classes and education. Um, but did you think that this repeal was necessary or do you think that it was just something that they did to, to try to make it seem like they're, they're moving forward? It doesn't I mean, seem like I, Bill and Napier thought it was a, a big deal, but. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, and thanks for reminding me about the entrepreneur entrepreneurship classes. I mean, I think that helps, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the, and again, I, I compare it to the NFL because they do some of that in the NFL. The league puts on those, those things, you know, once you're drafted and afterwards, does that help that? Yeah. That helps a kid understand and know that in February at 1099 is coming. Does that change how Billy Napier is going to do anything? I mean, look, 
I think Florida is lucky in that he is going to develop the mindset of a player of how to handle money when it comes in. I think coaches will do that. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm a new NFL agent. I've been terribly surprised and disappointed, I would say, with how players they graduate that are not top picks just sort of get, all right, go figure it out and try to figure, you know, figure out how to make your dream. So how much of that is going to happen with NIL? I think that's possible too, because coaches just want to coach. You know, mm -hmm. They're going to try to the coaching and develop their mindset of the players and the players athletically as well. But there's not a lot, again, you know, we're, prognosticating futures, mm -hmm. but I, I don't think those classes or even the leveling of this playing field by, by the involvement of the schools really is going to change anything. I think it is a logical progression to what will come mm. next, which is what we've been talking about. And I know the new NCAA president is the former governor of Massachusetts, so potentially we start to see some push, but we don't know until March 1st. Well, Silk, Nick, any final questions? David, we certainly appreciate your time this morning for you. Nah, super informative, man. Appreciate you for hanging out with us, David. No problem, guys. Uh, enjoy, the hang enjoy the hangover, my guy. One, Thanks, one, man. I'll, I'll one, come back anytime y'all want. I have one last question, David. How yeah, did yeah, you yeah. rate Tommy Townsend's uh, outfit last night walking into the stadium? <laughs> Um, I'll give you two Tommy Townsends. Um, one was, was just one I bumped into, but his outfit was epic for a punt, you know, for a punter to, to pull that off. And he yeah. did was fantastic. And so, you know, I was trying to get down on the field last night and, and after the game <clears throat> and, uh, you know, it, it was heartbreaking because the Townsend's family was there. And, you know, they give limited placards to, to be able to get down on the field. It's, you know, about as secure as you can imagine. Uh, and, and being the Gator I was, I read, you know, his mom was there and she was encouraging, you know, Johnny was already back there, but um, his other brother, she's, she was giving her lanyard up to, to the other brother to go down on the field. Um, and I was trying like hell uh, to be able to get her another one to get back, but it didn't work. But um so I felt terrible for them because, you know, I'm just a, a guy trying to, to, you know, get some, get on the field. Sure. But, you know, for a family member like that, to, to not be able to share that moment, I, I, my heart broke for them. So if you're watching this, Tommy, uh, I, I did try, it get, I, I failed. And I apologize. <laughs> well, at least uh, Clay Jr. And, and Johnny were able to get down there yes, and, uh, and share that with, with Tommy. Yep. Awesome. Well, David, thank you again so much for your time uh, this morning. Enjoy the rest of your trip out in Arizona. We'll talk to you soon, my friend. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Awesome. That is David Haas from Haas Law. Uh, great account on Twitter as well. Uh, very informative. Gentlemen, any thoughts based on what he said uh, before we go back into our uh, SEC discussion? I just uh, – like everything to fix it. They won't do the first step to mm -hmm. to fix this. So when Billy Napier, and he's not wrong, I'm not like saying he's wrong or he's against the players making money, but to get a collective bargaining, to start giving the players a piece of this gigantic $40 million, $40 billion tiered cake um, that the new TV contract is going to create, you'd have to admit that they are employees. And then with that comes workers' rights, workers' comp, healthcare, life insurance, all kinds of things that the schools don't want to start to do. So I, I don't know how you fix it when 
the first step is in the minds of the universities and in the NCAA, this giant impassable hurdle. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know where you go from this. It's clear you need to make them employees to give them that cut, their fair share of the pie. I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I think you run into some of the other things. And, you know, I don't know how much the discussion has been had about what happens to non-revenue generating sports, what happens to Title IX, you know, what happens to schools that can't afford it, right? You know, we're talking Florida, Alabama, Georgia, you know, huge multi-billion dollar TV contracts just for college football alone. Uh, but you start to get in other, you know, situations where the cost of employment is far greater than just the salary that you're paying an individual as well. So you start to think of, you know, some of your smaller schools. And I'm th- even thinking of a school like, East Carolina, right? Or, uh, um, you know, Western Kentucky. What do you do in a situation, you know, like that, right? What do you do with the money that, that you have allocated for players and you can't afford it anymore? Do you start to see cuts to other sports? Do you start to see athletic departments folding? You know, certainly will be interesting to see. And I, I know the NCAA as a whole is made up of a lot more schools that aren't revenue generating positive incomes in, in football and don't have these these huge deals. So I will be interested to see what ultimately does happen, you know, with NIL and with everything related to player compensation moving forward. Certainly be murky. It'll certainly be muddy. And I see I certainly see a, a lot of kick in the can before any true action uh, is taken. Uh, I mean, elite, elite hand kicking levels will <laughs> will be had before any anything meaningful happens. I mean, this I mean, can this can's going from Miami to Juneau, Alaska before yeah. anything happens. I don't know of any two entities in the world that like to kick the can more than, <laughs> than politicians and the NCAA. So, oh, we, you're getting both of our, them together. <laughs> yeah, we find ourselves between a uh, a pebble and a, a cue ball here, trying to figure out uh, a pebble where, and a cue ball. Yeah, I was going to say a rock and a hard place, but uh, neither one of them are going to do anything. So it's not going to make it uncomfortable for anybody, but uh, we will definitely see. Uh, but before we move back into the SEC conversation, Nick was able to get a uh, Ross Dellinger article that we'll uh, talk about here in a second. But before we do that, let's give a shout out to our friends over at Alumni Hall in beautiful Gainesville, Florida, or online at alumnihall.com. Check them out right there on Archer Road. If you're looking for sweaters, if you're looking for basketball apparel, if you're looking for new baseball and softball gear, that is out. Or if you are looking to get yourself ready for football season, which is just in a a few, what, six months or so from now, go check out alumnihall.com or go visit them on Archer Road. Let them know Stadium and Gale sent you. Uh, Nick, you sent an article here by Ross Dellinger uh, that he wrote just the other day, and I'm just going to pull up. Uh, the name of the article is the SEC is getting a new schedule model, but which one will win out? Uh, so in this article, he debates the eight verse nine uh, approach, and then he prognosticates a little bit on where he thinks the permanent um, rotations uh, could be. Um, and for Florida, he said Georgia, South Carolina, and Oklahoma. Um, and he did that by choosing two from the East and one permanent from uh, whatever the mythical West might be called as well. Uh, but Nick Silk, uh, what would your thoughts on Georgia, South Carolina, and Oklahoma be? And let's follow that model and say if you had to pick two from one, uh, that's realistic, not just Vanderbilt and uh, Kentucky uh, and Mississippi State. Uh, what would you guys want as your three schools? Yeah, I think, uh, well, I think to do this model, you have to uh, be real. And, and and I think what Ross did is you have to tier 
the SEC. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and not just like who's great right now, who's traditionally great, who has the resources to put into it, who has the recruiting that, that will make it great. Um, and you have to tier and like, Hey, if you're a top mm-hmm. tier, then we need two of the top tier in your group and you get one from, you know, then you get a Vandy. Um, and then Vandy would get, you know, one, <laughs> one or two from like the lower half and then one from the upper half to try to make things equal. Um, it, it's tough. Like I, none of us I don't think are old enough to remember when Auburn and Florida were were Mm -hmm. yearly rivals and playing every year. And that was a great rivalry. Um, You know, Auburn and Florida have only played a handful of times in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. Um, So to me, it's wild to think when you look at that with uh, Florida getting Georgia, South Carolina, Oklahoma, like, damn, you're not going to get Florida, Tennessee anymore. That used to be, um, if not the first SEC game, then the second SEC game for both teams. In the 90s, when we were growing up, Dan, it was like mm-hmm. uh, you knew who, who was in the driver's seat by the you know the second week in third, September. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Third week in September. Um, I don't know if – can you switch out Tennessee for Georgia and now you're not going to get uh, Florida, Georgia, and Jacksonville anymore? I, I think the city – Dan's favorite city uh, in the entire world. Would they ride. need the tourism dollars, Nick. Uh, I, would, I would hate to see what could happen to them without the one big of any year. Maxwell House is doing fine. <laughs> Um, um, so, so it, it just okay. there's just so many rivalries and so much story tradition that um, it it will be it will be uh, you know headache inducing to try to figure out who's playing who. Yeah, they kept uh, Alabama with Auburn, Tennessee, and LSU because you uh, have to have right the third weekend in October, and you have to have the Iron Bowl. Yep, they gave Tennessee, Vanderbilt, Alabama, and South Carolina. Uh, that seems to be on. Uh, Certainly the more interesting side. Um, I'm trying to look to see if there's any other matchups. You know, they, they teamed up Texas, Oklahoma, Texas A&M, and Arkansas. Certainly uh, some big regional battles. You go back to some old conferences from back in college football's heyday uh, with some of those games uh, as well. Um, you know, but, but certainly I don't, I don't know what the right way to do it or not is. I don't know if these are permanent forever or um, – if this is a, a five-year rotation, you know, maybe a, you know, six-year rotation, you get two home games, two away games, or three, pardon me, three home games, three away games. Uh, you know, obviously Florida and Georgia would be played in Jacksonville uh, for the foreseeable future. But um, would you guys be in favor of doing something like that? Hey, we give you, you know, six years, and then we switch up permanent rivals, try to bring back some of these old um, – uh, rivalries that maybe existed, you know, bring back a Florida and Tennessee on a yearly tradition, something like that could certainly be, um, you know, an option as well. I'm open-minded to a lot of it, but it's hard to turn down because college football is so based on tradition. It's hard to just, uh, to, to like in my mind, I don't care how Georgia, Georgia, good Georgia is. They got to line that shit up every year. Right. <laughs> I don't, I'm not like, Oh, I don't want Georgia in my pod because they're real good right now. Um, I grew up watching that game. I want to see it. And I want to just, you know, I want us to be better, but I don't want that game to go away. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how you rotate these schedules and how these pods work. Uh, I'm open-minded to it all. I want to get caught up in tradition, but mm-hmm. I couldn't say right now how we want a pod to work out. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, sure. I don't know. It's too tough for me. I think, uh, you know, hey, what about a pod of Mississippi State, Florida, uh, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt? 
There you go. That's, there's your there's your phone. That's where I was doing. But see, I mean, you're gonna be. You want to go to those games, games as a fan, though. Like I know, you, like you probably gonna the, win, right? But the, but these are only that would only be three of your nine um, SEC games. So you know, even though Florida gets Georgia, South Carolina, Oklahoma every single year, you might have an Alabama on on that schedule as well. Right. Um, you might have a trip to you know to Ole Miss, and and then you have to host Texas, uh, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, it is wild. I mean, like, how far is Norman, Oklahoma from Gainesville? That's got to be over a thousand miles. Yeah, it's not close. <laughs> and then that's like a yearly, uh, you know, a, a biannual trip you have to make. You know, like, hey, why, why are we lumped in with Oklahoma other than you know playing one time in, in a national championship? Like, there, other than that, what's the history there? Yeah, no, certainly a lot of uh, scheduling quirks to be worked out, but certainly it's going to be interesting to see. Um, you know, it is going to be interesting to see some new games, some some hopeful kind of refresh of the schedule. I know that there's been a you know a number of schools. You know, Florida hasn't played Auburn very much. They haven't played Mississippi State a ton. Um, you know, they haven't played uh, a number of these schools all that often. I know that Alabama and Georgia, outside of the SEC championship, haven't played each other, you know, a ton since Texas A&M and Missouri, you know, got brought into the fold. And, you know, you have a lot of tradition. You have a lot of old tradition, Robbie, you know, that, that Texas Arkansas game, if you go back 60, 70 years was, was the bee's knees, right. Of, of college uh, rivalries right up there with Princeton and Harvard. So we'll certainly be interesting to see uh, how all of that uh, shakes out over the next few months. But now that we do know 2024 is the first year you will see Texas and Oklahoma in uh, the SEC. Although I did think it was interesting. They are forfeiting a hundred million dollars of revenue. uh, And then I know that they are also from the Fox deal. And then I know that they're also not doing a first year profit share of the TV deal. Uh, so some interesting facts coming out there. Um, in other news, the Gators do start uh, against Utah in Salt Lake City next year. Cam Rising quarterback uh, does have an ACL tear. Um, you know, obviously a, a long time between you know now and then, uh, but certainly something to keep an eye out for. Uh, wanting to pass that news along, uh, the Gators unfortunately are on a three-game basketball losing streak. After a big win against Tennessee, um, they lost to Vanderbilt uh, on Saturday, um, which was a, a tough 88 to 80 loss. They you know, bounced back and forth. The Gators were, were winning for a bit, um, but just not a game where, where Florida could seem to get their their three point shot working out scored by 30 points uh, in that game uh, from behind the three point line. Uh, but do want to give kudos to Colin Castleton, who has now passed Al Horford for the third most blocks in UF history Uh, in some other Gator sports news softball started this weekend going three and O winning 11 to two against Boston university, nine, nothing against Boston college and 21 to nothing against Illinois state Uh, Gators men's tennis wins the vice star credit union Gators invitational. So congratulate in golf. Sorry. Um, Tennis. Oh, man, I meant golf. My apologies. Uh, starting off the season strong, uh, won a tournament uh, last week and then, or two weeks ago, and then won uh, this um, Vistar Credit Union Gator Invitational. So, congratulations to them. Uh, women's lacrosse beats Michigan 17 to 8. So, a great showing uh, from them. Uh, gymnastics gets the second highest score of the year to improve to 8 0. Uh, so, right now, if you run the uh, the sports list um, records, uh, men's basketball is 13 and 12. Women's basketball is 14 and 11. Gymnastics is 8 and 0. 
lacrosse 1-0, softball 3-0, men's swimming and diving 5-1, women's swimming and diving 6-1, men's tennis 4-3, and and women's tennis 4-1. And And then baseball starts this week, Nick. Um, What can we expect? Yeah, uh, well, here uh, a little bit of news to put it on on Gators Online. You're going to see uh, some uniform changes. Um, the uh, the beautiful Florida scripts that you used to see on Sunday, you'll see those on Friday night. Uh, blue tops on Saturdays as normal, and then uh, orange tops on Sunday. The pinstripes are being phased out. Those will be midweeks, and then uh, they'll be gone, I believe, after this year. So you'll see Brandon Sproat. Uh, I, uh, I'll probably get old takes exposed because uh, I have a tweet out there thinking Brandon was going to leave to the draft after last year. Said he was out there on the mound collecting some dirt from the last game. Said here's his last time ever, uh, and I'm an idiot because you'll see him Friday night <laughs> opening the season. And uh, Florida should should start 3-0 this week. <laughs> should start 3-0 this weekend. Um, not playing a great opponent, um, and, and the Gators are deep. It, it'll be – it should be a fun season. We're, we're on a strict, not hyping the team up because Silk calls me out on my lies when they lose mm. to, you know, JU on Wednesdays, um, which, you know, it's baseball. It's a long season. It'll happen. Um, but, yeah, I'm looking forward to baseball starting. Uh, it's a really fun team. And um, if, if you're in Gainesville, it's an easy ticket to get, and it's a great stadium to watch a game at. I'm looking forward to getting Sully on the show, man. Hmm. You know what I'm saying, Nick? Just slide we, to his we, number. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Nice, nice pullover, too, man. And the people in the comments are saying that you were wearing that just to flex a little bit. It's, it's a not even a slight flex. No, he wouldn't change clothes. Like, we got hard. <laughs> we we got laid. Yep. Yeah, we sat down to start the show. And he was like, hold on, hold on, guys. He yep. off his screen and he came back with a new shirt. He was like, I, I got to wear it. Like, oh, <laughs> nice flex, man. Nice shirt. Shout out to JC Deacon. Shout out to friend of the show, friend of the show, JC Deacon. Um, let's see, got a couple final announcements, and then we are uh, going to be moving on um, to what we think is a very exciting midweek interview. Uh, we are just dotting the final I and crossing the final T, uh, but we will be posting an interview that you guys will want to hear and you guys will want to listen to. We are recording um, on Wednesday at 7.30 a.m. It will not be a live show, but we will be putting that on YouTube. Uh, if you keep tabs on the Stadium and Gale Twitter account, we will be putting out that graphic today, which is Monday. If you're listening to this, it should already be on there about an interview that we have been working on for over a year to get in the work. So we are very, very excited about that. And then finally, we do want to tease uh, that we will be starting to get a lot more involved in uh, NIL. Uh, as, a pod- as a podcast, we are finalizing uh, some conversations. We are finalizing some contracts. Uh, and ultimately, our goal is to bring uh, more content and more connection back to the players at the University of Florida by providing NIL opportunities to them in partnership uh, with a few different entities. And we're excited to announce that here in the next couple of weeks. Um, with that being said, Nick Silk, before I see you on Wednesday morning, bright and early, huh. Top of make the sure, night. make sure, make sure the golf shirts already laid out nicely ironed. That way we can get started right at seven 30, Nick, but uh, any final thoughts before we uh, end the show today? I mean, I'm wearing a tuxedo for Wednesday. I mean, <laughs> with a cummerbund, you know, <laughs> that type of like, like, you know, like 
standing up really far away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking fly, like the the baby blue on Dumb and Dumber uh, type. <laughs> That's type of vibes. I'm on Wednesday. Uh, big show. Excited about that. Uh, also, man, shout out to the to the people that introduced me. Um, I like you. You, I played some golf this past week. And I stunk, Nick. I don't think I'm ever going back out there again. To be real with you, but the people in Gator Twitter introduced me to uh, some type of frisbee game that's similar to golf. I frisbee golf. Frisbee golf. Frisbee golf. Frisbee yeah. golf. <laughs> so I'm gonna partake in that in the next couple of weeks, man. And I'm gonna let you guys. I'm gonna give you guys the feedback on you know what it's like. Have you guys played frisbee golf? Yes. I've played yeah. frisbee golf once. How was it? It was it was fun. It's different. Um, yeah, I'm not great. I, I'm okay at throwing fr- I think I'm very average, right? But when you get into frisbee golf, first off, you <laughs> what else is new? Um, so we uh, so a couple things that I learned that there's a lot of different frisbees depending on what you're doing. You have your drivers and your irons and everything what? else. So that took a little bit of getting used to. It's not like just throwing like a plastic frisbee. I mean, these are you know, I'm grab the same, Walmart. The same, I'm not the same gonna, I don't know how much they go gym for. class. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. That's what I was imagining a little bit. I, I don't know how much a Frisbee for Frisbee golf goes for, but I, I think to get a full, a full bag of Frisbees, you're, you're probably going into the, the high three figures to get yourself outfitted and situated. Oh no. Um, oh, I just no. waste money on golf club. There's no way. <laughs> <laughs> Do they rent them out like bowling shoes, man? I think so. Disc golf, Cam, super producer Cam, disc golf, frisbee golf. I think disc. You can golf get is a probably... disc golf starter set for twenty bucks on Amazon. Silk. So let's get you in it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. What, let, let's start to get to some of the uh, the higher uh, level. Westside you know, like, disc refugee backpack, just a backpack, eighty bucks. Yeah. So, so what are we looking? What, what's the this. what's the Callaway or Titleist of disc golf? <laughs> but you, you know? I'm out of my depth here. You know, we've got the Wilson staffs. We got the stuff you can pick up right, at right. Uh, playing against sports. But you know, I, I need to know what what people are throwing down. No, I had a good time. It wasn't very good as you can imagine. Uh, but uh, you know, I had a good time out there. I'm curious. So I'm gonna try it out, man. As soon as I got a free Saturday of no track and no seven no seven, I'm gonna be out there. And I'm gonna get some video footage. I want y'all to see how how raw I am out the gate. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, all right, gentlemen. Um, everybody stay tuned. We're super, super excited. Uh, we are waiting on one final text message or we would have announced it on the show today. I um, want to make sure that we are not uh, stepping out of line, but uh, please do stay tuned to our YouTube and our podcast channel. Very excited about this interview uh, that we have on Wednesday. Uh, with that being said, I think I have the song of the week, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and so we are going to go, I've been scrolling here for a while. We're going to go back to an old reliable. We're going to go to the turnpike troubadours and we're going to play. Um, let's see before the devil even knows you're here is a good one. So shout out to my buddy, Paul, him and I are going to go hit up, uh, red rocks together in may, early may I'll be in red rocks twice in, uh, in two weeks. So I got got to flex on the concert venues a little bit. Um, yep. Here, here come the disc golfers. They're not frisbees. They're discs. Um, no disrespect. No disrespect to the to the disc golf players that are out there. It's a very hard, challenging sport. So thank you. Uh, but let Nick know where he can get some uh, Titleist or Callaway uh, discs, and then let Silk know where the uh, where the Wilson staffs are. Yeah, I'm gonna need a caddy. <laughs> I'm a disc golf. All right, boys. Well, um, we'll see you at the same corner, <laughs> same time next week. Well, on Wednesday. How about Wednesday? Wednesday. We pull them back Let's up do on Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. Oh, All right, boys. (laughs) We'll see you guys. Thanks for everybody watching. Uh, If you are not watching this on YouTube, 
Please go like and subscribe there. Would love uh, some more uh, viewership there. But also thanks for everybody listening. Throw a thumbs up on that like button. And we appreciate your time. We'll see you guys on Wednesday. Devil knows we're dead.